Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star, 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 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Canucks got a preseason win. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest win in Canucks history. All as well. <laughs> <laughs> what a relief. So, uh, <laughs> did, uh, kidding aside, um, did you like, okay, yes, it's a step in the right direction, but you know, the whole four goals on 21 shots, they still gave up some great A's Bruce Boudreaux while he didn't like dive into it said, there's still some things we got to clean up. What? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there's stuff to clean up. We we discussed it uh, on the post game show on the quality of chances that Spencer Martin faced, and at one point had given up four goals on 14 shots, which is not a good percentage. And you know, I, I defended him a little bit, and I said, sure, you, you'd like to see him maybe have one or two of those, maybe. But he was really facing some great A chances, yeah. East West movement, two on ones, breakaways, and stuff, and. You know, he is not Thatcher Demko and guys like that will give in goals eventually if you if you keep barraging them with those types of chances. And what did we talk about last year? Those are the things they can't do. Now, I will say it wasn't like they were giving up odd man chances a lot last year. It was more about in zone defending that their problem was or what would happen off the rush in their own zone, the assignments they kind of miss or whatever, right? But it, it really wasn't two on ones all the time or, you know, breakaways and whatever. And usually those things do get cleaned up. What I'm curious about, and we'll maybe see more of this against the Coyotes, is how are you kind of defending when you're in your own zone and how are you defending the rush when you do have numbers back? Those are uh, things the Canucks still need to be. Uh... Working on here, uh, news out of uh, camp today, Tyler Myers dealing with uh, a thing. <laughs> a thing. <laughs> Bruce Boudreau would not uh, go further than that, but uh, uh, day the to day. Yeah, the infirmary is full. Now you got Dermot, who's not skating or hasn't been skating yet, yet at least. Mikheyev, who's a process still, like Boudreau mentioned. Besser seems a bit more encouraging, but still not exactly close to playing. And now Myers day to day, and we never know what day to day means, so... You know, I'm not going to assume <laughs> anything at this point. Uh, it's, uh, it is it is getting pretty packed uh, in the injury room for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. He is the triple threat. You read his work on sportsnet.ca. You watch him on Sportsnet television, and you hear him here on Sportsnet 650. It's the triple threat. Ian McIntyre, uh, who had a night of uh, shaking hands and kissing babies uh, in, at the Abbotsford Center. <laughs> Yes, I was really popular with about three people. <laughs> and I think you were one of them, Dan, so thanks. <laughs> I always appreciate the love. Sitting, you know, sitting next to you two legends on press row, <laughs> seeing you interact, just the telepathy. It's like, it's like you know, watching the Sedins on the ice. Each knows where the other is going to be, and the other guy then goes the other way. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to tell you what the yawning was code for. <laughs> yes please don't you guys you guys keep your little secrets to yourself we don't need to know everything <laughs> uh ian mcintyre joining us here on uh on canuck central so you know as much as they get a win last night uh what was what was your big takeaway from the game 
Well, first of all, it it seemed like just a riotously good entertainment. Yes. Mm-hmm. For for a preseason game at uh, I'm not not neutral site, but a non a non NHL building, with all the limitations that that entails, I thought it was just a great night of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, for fans of both teams, and I was surprised how much support the Oilers had, but. Uh, I guess they always have support in in BC and maybe more so in the Fraser Valley. But uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was important uh, for the Canucks to win. People are, are when they say the results don't matter. The results always matter. They don't they don't count for points, so they don't matter in that you know very important aspect of of professional sports. They don't matter in getting them to or missing the playoffs, but winning always matters. Anyone who's ever played on a competitive team knows that winning matters, even if you're not playing for, for any money. And the fact that they have tried, you know, from the start of camp uh, to emphasize, you know, getting up to speed quickly and, and getting into top form and trying to maintain you know, what they had going at the end of last season, at the start of this season, uh, for that, I think it's important that they had some positivity and traction. So they found a way to win. It, you know, it wasn't a great performance. Spencer Martin uh, didn't look uh, very good. But some of their top players, and especially Ilias Pettersson, just looked uh, fabulous, which bodes which bodes well for the start of the preseason, but the whole thing is kind of, you know, when you go through that list, the Rolodex of injured players, the whole thing is kind of muted again amid that context that no matter, you know, what happens tomorrow night against Arizona, they're still going to be starting the season. Uh, it very much looks like without Brock Besser and Ilya Mikhaev and Travis Dermott and, you know, Dermott, um, maybe is in a different category because, you know, he plays in the middle of defense. They have other, they have other defensemen, but uh, so much, I think of the excitement about the off season in acquiring the two Russians, Mikheyev and Kuzmenko is that you're adding two really good players to your top nine. And then with the, the last day of training camp and the first day of the preseason, you're suddenly without Besser and Mikhaev, So you've, you've lost You've lost the advantage that you that you spent the summer uh, in gaining in in adding two guys to your top nine. But they'll they'll get those two guys back fairly soon. It looks like, mm-hmm. but it's still uh, the fact that they're not going to have everybody that they wanted to have for the start of the regular season is still a bit of a downer. Well, it is. And, you know, the only the, the only good news, is, like you said, is that they will hopefully be, be back pretty soon. The Dermot one, you're right, it's not as significant, but it doesn't seem to bode well that he's not back skating yet. And, you know, Boudreaux hasn't given too many details, but said he wasn't feeling well. He was seen being woozy coming off the ice. And it just doesn't, it, it seems foreboding a little bit, that situation. I hope he's going to be okay. But the mix on the back end in general right now seems to be in flux a little bit because of, you know, the Meyer situation now all of a sudden. But one thing that was pretty clear last Last night, based on Boudreaux's comments post game, it looks like Cal Burroughs, and especially if Myers isn't ready, was a guy that was pretty much penciled in as a number six defenseman. Yeah, and uh, I've felt that before last night as well. I just think he's a guy, 
and especially when Burroughs went down, or sorry, when Dermott went down. I just think he's a guy that every day he practices or plays, he seems to he seems to uh, you know reinforce the fact that he gives you absolutely everything. And uh, you know his his combativeness, his his physicality, the intensity with which he plays the game without taking penalties, which is an important part. Like he he's he really is a guy who I think uh, has figured out in mid-career what it is he needs to do to be an NHL player. And of course, last season was the first season he was an everyday NHL player. And I don't know how many games that Kyle Burroughs is going to eventually play in the NHL, but I think it's going to be a, a hell of a lot more than what he's got on his resume so far because he has he has figured out how to contribute, what he does well, uh, he play, and he plays within himself. And yeah, on on you know a lot of good teams, he wouldn't be in their top six. But for the Canucks and where they are, uh, he's a very handy player to have uh, and can play both sides. And, and that's another aspect of any player that you want towards the bottom of your lineup if they have some versatility and can help you in different ways. And he can certainly do that as well as those other attributes I've mentioned. So having watched Elias Patterson here uh, in, in the preseason, I'm convinced he's going to score 164 points this year, IMAC. <laughs> Well, I'll take that bet. <laughs> well, he's he's just like he's looked so good. He's been yeah. the best player for the team uh, every night he's played so far in the preseason. And I, like I don't know exactly what that means for the season. Like do you do do you have a thought on on what to expect from Pedersen and and how we've seen him so far? I do. And it's my not so hot take which uh is just that he's he's going to do this year what JT Miller did last year mm. as far as breaking through uh, ceiling and and I don't think I don't think the the word ceiling is really applied to uh, Ilias because he's too he's too young still and we know how good he is so it's not like there's any ceiling but he hasn't you know he hasn't uh, been able to be an 85 or 90 point player or a 40 40 goal scorer and I think this is the season where he could check all those boxes and it reminds me a little bit and and it's it's not a great example but just sort of the feeling of one teammate maybe inspiring or push or pushing another uh when uh daniel city or henrik Sedin won the scoring title uh back in i think it was 10 and uh, the the team uh the management at the time and some senior people in the organization were down for the awards which i think at that time were in vegas and they're they were all out for dinner, and somebody said, well, wouldn't it be great if if Daniel won the next year? Mm-hmm. I think I got the order right. Yeah, Henrik won the Hart Trophy in 2010 right. and the Art Ross, yeah. Right, Henrik, then Daniel. And it was kind of like, well, well, that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And, 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 then it and then it actually happened. <laughs> and and I, I think that, you know, Pedersen and JT Miller don't have the relationship that Daniel and Henrik have, but they're both ultra- competitive guys and Pedersen first of all feeling like he can do a lot better no matter what anybody else on his team is doing feeling like he can he can be better than he's been is one thing but then I think to see that uh, JT Miller was a guy who had the 99 point season had the biggest season by any Canuck skater 
since the Sedins won those won those uh, scoring titles. And uh, I think that he's really motivated, and not motivated because of J.T. Miller, but motivated because he just saw a teammate reach a level that a lot of people doubted he could get to. And I, I think Pedersen is is wired to want to to just show people what what he's capable of and how good he can be, and you know dispel you know critics who might think that he's not the number one center on this team, you know, and and critics who think that he hasn't been able to, you know, whether it's his health, whether it's just consistency, not been able to yet. Um, you know, reach his potential. I think he's just really driven to 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 be better than he's been, and he certainly has looked that way since training camp opened. Well, it's it's similar to the drive he showed as a rookie, but especially so in his second season when he was really you know trying to assert himself in training camp and everything. And then the past couple of years after that, it, it wasn't quite the same player, at least the same presence. Like Dan was mentioning uh, earlier in the show about when you know Pedersen is on, he looks completely different. But I also wonder. If 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 he does take that step this year and that ultra competitiveness happens with the team and that maturity starts finally happening with the squad, that accountability, because if if like we saw with Quinn Hughes at the end of the season, he's raising the standard and, and asking his players to meet that standard. If Pedersen is doing this now, can this be the year where, where we finally see that growth, where that standard and expectation and accountability really rests with their best players? Well, if they're going to be successful, it it, it has to be set. Like it, it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, let's remember as well that that uh, when Jim Rutherford came in, he wasn't the first head of hockey operations last year to sort of say that it, it's time for the best players to take another step. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Benning's final press conference, one of the things he said was about having turned the team over, having had a lot of uh, veterans around their young core and now turn the team over to the young players. And I think the quote was something like now, now they're, we're trying to teach them how to win or now they're learning, trying to learn what it takes to win. And Rutherford and and Patrick Alvin, when he was hired as GM essentially have said the same thing. And it was the, it was a huge theme uh, in the exit meetings last year, the messages that they were sending home with players for the summer and what they wanted them to think about and what they wanted them to do. It's been a recurring uh, theme, especially with Alvin uh, during a lot of his availabilities, that they they have to find a way to get uh, the young players to take ownership of the culture and the accountability of this team and realize that the only measure for any of them, and we've just talked about Pedersen's points, and I've written today about Quinn Hughes wanting to score more goals, but in the end, uh, really the only measure of, of their success as a group is going to be whether they're in the playoffs next spring. And if they are in it and they're successful, then it, it's not going to matter so much how many points Pedersen scored in the regular season or how many goals uh, Quinn Hughes had or how many saves uh, Thatcher Demko made or, or shutouts or, or whatever. It's all going to be about was the team successful and how successful was it and how did they get there? And that's what they're, that's what they're trying to, uh, to cultivate now among, among this core. Uh, I was talking to, to Rutherford today and, and he said again, like there's a lot of really good players 
on this team. But now it's up to those players to take another step. Yeah, and, you know, there's... It, it it hasn't really been uh, that strong of a preseason as we know. Um, you know, getting a win finally helps, but I, I think the the thing that Rutherford and Alvine really uh, focused in on at the exit meetings last year was, you know, we want to break out better, we want to play with more structure. We we haven't seen that much here in preseason, IMAC, and and even last night, yeah, okay, they only give up twenty one shots. I'm I'm also curious about how the shot clock worked last night, but um <laughs> it was it wasn't only that, but you know, it's not like Spencer Martin had much of a chance on any of those goals either. You know, like they were given up great A's even if they weren't given up a ton. Yeah, yeah, but I mean he's he still would want in every goal he would want to stop more than and whatever it was, ten of the yeah, first you you, you got to make uh, a big save somewhere, he, right? He need, he needed some more saves, but to your point, they haven't they they haven't looked like they're a a stronger, tighter, more structured team so far. They have at times in some of the games, but they haven't looked that way on the whole. And and even last night, you know, it it was it wasn't it wasn't a great performance. There were a lot of good aspects to it. But overall, Quinn Hughes said today that's not the way that they can play like like they did last night and expect to win a whole bunch of games this this year. So they they have to be better. But the the part about that that I would say is that we we didn't see anything resembling an NHL lineup until mm-hmm. the sixth of seven preseason games, and it'll be important to see how the team uh, plays. Uh, tomorrow and again not just the result like the result last night was was something that they needed for that positivity and traction and to try and generate some good feelings after what had been you know a pretty pretty miserable week last Mm -hmm. week for the organization Uh, but now I think tomorrow night it's probably far more important what the process is and how do they play and do they look like they're going to be you know, a a structured, solid, tough to play against, tough to break down team. Last night they looked like they were were tougher to play against. Like they had more intensity in their game. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was an easy game, for instance, for for Euler defensemen. But they still weren't tough enough to break down. They had they had more speed. They had more of that intensity but they still need more structure than what they showed last night. Well, and as far as, you know, the fours that are going to make the team at this point, and, you know, if, if it wasn't for injuries, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about, you know, Niels Ullman and uh, Linus Carlson having a real chance to make this team. But with the way it shapes up and Sheldon Dries, you know, also being in the mix here, there is a world where both Carlson and Ullman make this team. And, and actually, it can be, I, I'm not quite sure they're actually ready to play, but if they're the best of who's available, they deserve to be here, number one. And it could be a positive thing for them to get that little taste, even if it is for a week or a couple of games or just being around the team and then go down and work in your game and find a way to come back. But I didn't think it was going to happen, but I kind of think these guys could really make this team because what's the upside of keeping drives over these guys here for, for a week or so? Yeah, yeah, I would say uh, I would say it's probably more likely, it looks more likely at this point that, that Amon, because of you know, where he plays and his role and, and especially how he skates. And I I haven't, you know, I'm a big fan of him as a prospect coming over here. I wasn't maybe as 
as impressed as some people were with what he had done in the preseason until last night. I thought he was very good last night. And, you know, if you're playing an energy role, you have to be involved physically. Mm-hmm. And I thought he, I thought he got more engaged uh, last night. I don't think, you know, the physical aspect is something that comes naturally to him. But when you have the size that he has, and it's a frame that I think they'll he'll try to add some, some weight and muscle to, still mm-hmm. but when you have that size and skate as well as he does if you're going to play on the fourth line you have to be involved and I thought he was I thought he was more involved I see it as a little bit of a harder fit right now for Linus Carlson to, but of course there's these injuries that we've been talking about to the top nine and he is a guy with with an awful lot of of skill I think it's good that you know when these two guys were signed in the summer they instantly became two of the better prospects in the organization. And they're kind of, you know, it's one thing to be a 19-year-old prospect. It's another to be, you know, 22 or 23, which these guys are. But the fact is they came in uh, to this training camp with a lot expected of them in terms of showing that they could be NHL players in the future. And they have done that. They have done that. They've kind of backed up or validated uh, the Canucks going out to sign them by looking like they're close to being NHL players and maybe closer to being NHL players than what we thought, especially in Amon's case. I don't think anybody, you know, Linus Carlson, uh, I think a lot of people thought, well, with that kind of skill level, if he gets hot and depending on who he plays with, yeah, he could play in the NHL. I'm not sure anybody thought that Amon would be this close, this soon. So, so in that respect, it, it's been encouraging, but it's also been necessary because who else has pushed? Exactly. Like where, you know, where was this push from, from maybe lesser uh, known prospects or lower tier prospects? You, you hope that every training camp in preseason, there's a handful of guys that you expected. Uh, I don't want to say expected nothing from, but you certainly didn't expect them to be making uh, decisions difficult for coaches and managers about the roster, but you always hope that there's going to be some guys who do that. And this year, to me, it seems really very few have. Uh, and that's, again, part of the reason why it's encouraging that Amon and Carlson have been as competitive as, as they have, because Canucks need, need people pushing. The whole, the whole model, you know, beyond the big picture and the talk of culture, as far as the model that that Rutherford and Alvin are trying to uh, build here that was so successful in Pittsburgh is that you constantly had this flow of players from the minors upwards. And even those who weren't on the NHL team were pushing to be on the NHL team. And it gave gives you so many more options when you have players doing that. And the Canucks need more players pushing towards the NHL team. I'm at, uh, you're the best. Appreciate it. You keep saying that, Dan, but... I mean it. Okay. Well, that's, that's <laughs> nice of you to say. It was really nice to sit beside you last night. Uh, thanks always for, is. Thanks for the gum. <laughs> Anytime. Come through in the clutch. That's, uh, <laughs> yes, you do. All right, guys. <laughs> There's iMac. Uh, thanks, iMac. Uh, Ian McIntyre, the uh, triple threat. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow against the Coyotes, but yeah. that push... Hasn't really been there from a lot of the other guys. Now, in fairness, some are injured. Dowling's injured. DJ yeah. Zeppi's injured. And 
There's also not a lot. There isn't a ton, but by default, they're there. <laughs> At the same time, though, on Almond's case, hey, he has actually impressed legitimately. He he looked the part at times last night, even against uh, McDavid's line. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that was super interesting. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we'll be on at uh, five o'clock in the lead up to the Canucks and Coyotes, the preseason finale. So be tuning in for that. A mailbag and Yannick Hansen returns for another season with us every Friday on Canuck Central. You are listening to Sportsnet six fifty.